Hello, everybody. Welcome to another, yet another late night edition of this podcast. It seems to be my fate to be up late at night talking to really interesting people. Today is the last full day of the sixth Triratna International Council mm. here at Adastana in beautiful rural Herefordshire in the southwest of England. This meeting, in case you haven't been following before, or this is your first uh, encounter with the International Council, this meeting is about the whole of the Triratna community worldwide talking to itself about who it is and where it wants to go. And essentially three different streams of influence and activity and responsibility in our Buddhist community come together. You've got people representing the wide community, Buddhist centres, etc., around the world. You've got the order that's at the heart of our community represented, very well represented as it happens. And you also have people from the teams who look after ordination into the order itself and therefore kind of renew the life force, the wellspring of our community. And today was Priorities Day, so everybody was sticking up on the wall. Their top three priorities for the next couple of years. And we're here with some special guests to talk about one of those priorities, which is a kind of crucial thing for the future, to do with young people finding a pathway to commitment within our community, and particularly young women. So we're here with Subhadra Mati from the College of Public Preceptors. And Prani Ketu, who is our Young Buddhist Coordinator, and is here. He's been really helping the meeting get a hold of the issues that face young people making a commitment. So welcome. You Hi. too. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, why don't you give us a little sort of overview of what this priority was about and why you think it's particularly important? Hello, everybody. So, yeah, I'm Sabadramati, and I was delighted that the college has made one of its priorities engaging younger people. I've been very, very keen on this for some time because, well, especially in my talks with Pranikesu, just really realising that if we want a healthy community with a whole range of people from young people to elders, we need to start involving more young people now. So it was really interesting at this International Council, there's about 45 or 50 of us, as Chandra Dasa said, from all these different streams of our order and movement. And what we realised is that the vast majority of us all had been involved in our movement and since our teens and 20s. And through years and years of working together, living together, sharing friendship together, we've been able to make this International Council together. I just found that very interesting just to realise that fact more deeply. So yes, I'm very pleased we made this a priority. I'm very pleased I got Pranyaketa here because I'm very keen on the idea and Pranyaketa as the Young People's Coordinator for Europe, I'm hoping he's going to tell me how to make this priority into a reality. So what kind of things would you suggest to the College (laughs) of Public Research? Yeah, it's a really good question. Well, so firstly, (laughs) hello everyone. Yeah, this is Pranyaketa. So yeah, I suppose one of the things I was trying to do with the presentation I gave to this meeting was Firstly, to draw out that point that Spadravati you just made, which is that yeah, a healthy spiritual community sort of depends on a core of people who've been around a while, actually. You know, so so both who are kind of young enough to be active and taking roles of responsibility, but who are kind of old enough to have been together practicing, as you say, for decades. That really came out of that, that exercise I did to get people to sort of stand up and it was almost almost everyone began in their teens and twenties. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing is is more to talk about, yeah, actually, how do we create the conditions for that to, to happen more in the future? So recognising that a spiritual movement needs that kind of thing in order for it to be vital. How do we set up the conditions so that 
yeah, the elders of the future or the kind of responsibility holders of the future can arise. So um, partly what I was outlining anyway was something of a strategy for how to do that, which is largely to do with, well, basically joining up the path that we already have. You know, so within our community, there are various kind of milestones from, you know, a point where maybe you're not even involved at all in our community through to becoming more involved, becoming more committed, asking to join the order, joining the order and then beyond. And it's just kind of making those milestones clearer to people so they know, okay, if this is something which is inspiring me, if this is something I want to go more deeply into, what's the next step? You know, how how do I take that next step? And so in terms of my work, the way we're doing that is by working on, well, basically working on getting our vision of life out into the mainstream more, then setting up retreats and other kind of pathways so that people can kind of move forward in the direction of ordination, if that's what they want. So, I mean, specifically as the college, you're more interested in, I guess, the process from somebody asking for ordination to joining the order and how to support them in doing that. Certainly one of the things we've noticed a lot in the Young Buddhist Project, which I'm coordinating, is basically how projects which involve young people working together can, well, I guess, kind of draw out of them that inspiration and that kind of desire to take a next step, you know, and join the order and even prepare people to do that. Yeah. You know, I certainly noticed that as well. I'm both, well, in my work for the college, but also I live and work at one of our biggest Buddhist centres in the West, the London Buddhist Centre. And certainly, mm-hmm. you know, what you said about projects and so on, yeah, really engages people. Well, as it did for me and you mm-hmm. and continues to do. So maybe if I sort of turn the question around, you as young persons coordinator, me as college member, have you got any requests of... I mean, how can I help you in yeah. your work as well as me help, you know, the other way around? Well, I, I think one of the main things, actually, is there's something about the power of giving your blessing okay. to young people. Okay. And yeah. I can say from my own experience yeah. quite how significant it's been yeah. that elders within our community yeah. have encouraged me, yeah. have taken an interest in me. Yeah. I see that in a lot of other yeah. people as well, how there's something about being witnessed as a serious Dharma practitioner you know, as someone who wants to progress in this and how that being witnessed by somebody more senior, more of an elder, can kind of catalyse something. So what do you mean by witness? That's quite an unusual word in a way, yeah. isn't it? Well, I guess what I mean is taking them seriously, okay. taking me seriously. Because, I mean, certainly when, when I came along, I'd had some experience with other Buddhist mm. organisations, other traditions. Mm. And whilst in a certain sense I was quite integrated, I didn't really know what Sri Ratna was about. But right from the word go, there were people who recognised my sincerity in wanting to follow the Buddhist path. Yet I guess they just kind of reflected that back to me. And to see that in somebody, to see that coming from somebody I respected, it just just invigorated that in me. It was a real gift. I can think of a number of individuals for whom that was, Bante being one of them actually. Yeah, just seeing somebody who I recognise as taking the Dharma seriously recognising that in me and something happens. Yeah, actually that just reminded me of something. When I first came along, I started helping out at the Buddha Centre and uh, we had a little cafe at the time and I used to help out there in my spare time. I remember leaving there one day and thinking, oh, these people here, they believe in me Mm. more than I believe in myself. Mm. And I remember that, I articulated that quite clearly to myself. It meant a lot to me. 
Yes. So is it is it as simple as that then? Believing in people? And... Well, partly it's yeah, in a, in a way yes, but yeah. it, but it's also creating situations okay. in which you can give that kind of blessing. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I mean, ideally, that's in situations where people can see that you're not just doing that as a kind of goodly thing or as, as a superficial thing, okay. but they but they really see that you see them. Mm. You know, so I'm just thinking about examples, the sort of things that you do in the London Buddhist mm. Centre of living in a community supporting people working in the Lama's Pajamas mm. charity shop mm. and as Mitra Convener, you're putting yourself in situations where you're kind of intimately getting to know people. And out of that, then that witnessing has mm. a much stronger effect, I think. Mm. Mm. But it's almost as if, you know, we need to find more context where, you know, elders and younger people can mm. be in that kind of relationship. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm just, as you know, about to set up a new community mm. in the next few months so for myself and a friend are setting up a community mm. inviting four younger women to come and join us so that's one thing so in a way mm. that feels like quite an exciting project but another way I think oh like it's only four people like mm. how can we how can we do more mm. what would you say well there's there's something about the first step isn't there yeah you know and actually showing that that sort of thing is possible is as strong an encouragement to others as you can have. So there's something about, yeah, just sharing your experiences of that more widely and encouraging yeah. other people to do that. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, good. So I suppose one question is, what is it for young people to take responsibility within our community? And I think I've seen this happen in a number of ways. In my own case, it was kicking off a sangha in Oxford, being in a situation where there wasn't a centre or there wasn't a group or anything, but even just sending around a few emails to people, gathering a group and meditating together and kind of trying to do what I saw in the Buddhist centre that I came from on a micro scale in a free common room in, in, in Oxford. And what age were you when you did that? I was 26, I think, when I did that. 25, 26, I can't remember exactly. And did people encourage you and support you in that? Absolutely. I remember going on a walk with Dana Priya, who set up a similar kind of uh-huh. group in Deal in Kent. And I remember saying to him something like, yeah, I really want to do this, but I feel like I need the stamp of approval of the order. Uh And he went, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. And having that connection with him and, you know, seeing how he's Mm. done that, it just felt like, okay, I can take this on. But I think the other thing, the sort of flip side of that from the taking that initiative was there was the distinct possibility it was going to fail as well. Uh-huh. So the taking of responsibility, it wasn't yeah. like there was some kind of backup to what myself and Sangaruchi were doing. We were taking initiative and also, in a way, the buck stopped with us. Uh-huh. And I think there is something about that which is, dare I say, a bit character building. Yeah. You know, it motivates one to show up week after week, even if sometimes it's just you and one other person or something. Yeah, that almost becoming a bit like my baby, uh-huh. just wanting to, to kind of care for that and nurture that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important what you said, that only really is a responsibility if it could fail, isn't yeah. it? Otherwise, it's just a pretend responsibility, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 So how do you think we could encourage, enable other, especially younger people, to take up responsibility? Is that like blessings again? or? Well, well, yeah, I mean, it could be something as simple as giving a set of keys to the centre to a group of young people. And saying, okay, if you want to do something on Friday night in the Buddhist mm-hmm. centre, well, here's the keys. Mm-hmm. That can go wrong. <laughs> it could go wrong. But historically, it hasn't tended to go wrong mm-hmm. because people rise to that. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, just thinking about what we're looking to do in 2020, which is to trial some introductory courses specifically for young people, you know, which feed into central retreats. Now, those introductory courses are maybe six or eight weeks. And that's a project, Mm. you know, publicising that course, Mm. running that course, Mm. making the tea, all the elements that go into running an introduction to Buddhism and meditation class could be to a greater or lesser extent done by young people, done Mm. by the folk in a local centre. Well, I mean, that's how our movement started, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it started with people in their late teens, early 20s. Um, Banti Sangrachta, our teacher, just gave them responsibility in a way he had to, you know. Yeah, and they did it. It's easy to forget that, in a way, as everybody's grown older, but the movement began like that. And in a way, that's why we've got the elders that we've got now because of those responsibilities then. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's sort of looking at within our centres and groups that there are always gaps, you know, gaps in what we're doing, which you could see in another way as opportunities for exactly that sort of thing. Mm. There's a need and that's an opportunity for someone to step into that and take responsibility for a project. One of the things that's been really great for me at this International Council meeting, it's my first one, is well meeting people from all different areas of the world. And I've been very struck looking at a couple of centres, I'm particularly thinking of the Stockholm Buddhist Centre or the Dublin Buddhist Centre, where they've got relatively young people already taking responsibility. Prasada Charan is a chair of Sweden. I don't know, actually know what age he is, but he looks quite young to 30, me. He's at 30, yeah. so he's in the chair in his 20s. The people at the Dublin Buddhist Centre all became chairs and mitra conveners in their 20s and are now going on to take much, much higher positions of responsibility in our order and movement. And I think the first steps in becoming someone who can take that sort of much bigger responsibility, like being a chair, a mitra convener, private preceptor, begin with these very simple things, like you've said, like mm. running classes, but even simpler things, like just, I know at the London Buddhist Centre, if someone shows even a little bit of interest, we very quickly get them onto class teams. That means the practical duties, like making the tea and so on, but it also means facilitating groups at our courses. So I've just run a course on a book that I wrote, not about being good, a biggish course, 50 or 60 people, mm with lots of little groups. Now, each of those little groups, I asked someone in their early 20s uh, to facilitate in pairs. They did it so well. It was so lovely seeing the sort of confidence and enthusiasm with which those younger people facilitated those groups and how much the groups themselves enjoyed them, actually. Well, that's another thing I feel very, very committed to, is just to always give someone a next step. I suppose to never think that somebody's too young to take responsibility, just to yeah go with where the enthusiasm is. Yeah. So yeah, as Chandra Dasa said at the beginning, I'm very, very interested in creating these pathways for younger people, and especially, he said, for younger women. Now, there's a particular reason for that. That's fueled for me by just hearing a few facts and figures from Pranikita. So can you just remind us what yeah, they were? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it's something in the region of, of the order members under 40 in our order, something like a fifth are women. So four-fifths are men and one-fifth are women. And what's particularly interesting about that is that actually quite a few more younger women are asking for ordination or training for ordination than young men. It's not just that equal numbers are training, it's that that discrepancy is even greater given the numbers actually training for ordination. 
That's very much caught my attention mm. when you said that the reason being, you know, what we were saying in the beginning of the conversation, if we're going to create a healthy community into the future where there are people, you know, taking up those senior positions, I want women to be able to do that mm. as well. So I'm very, very curious about wanting to explore mm. what what's given rise to those particular facts and figures. So I really want to make that priority to both try and investigate that. And that's why my emphasis is on yeah. creating conditions for younger women as well as for younger men. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. So it's very interesting all this, isn't mm. it? Because on the ground at centres, it seems to be that, you know, if you walk into, I think, any Buddhist centre anywhere in the world, what you see is that actually are more women than men actually at centres or same on retreats most of the time. So this is even a bit perplexing that you've got more women actually coming to the centres but actually making that journey through to joining the order. Somehow the men, well, sort of overtake, if I'm allowed to use that expression. It's not quite like that. Maybe that's not the right expression, but... So, so, I mean, certainly that seems to be the case with sub-40 ordinations. I wonder whether it's the case more generally. Hmm. It might be that in the population as a whole, kind of roughly equal numbers of men and women are being ordained, or maybe even slightly more women are being ordained. But I think what's particularly interesting is that in the younger demographic, Hmm. it does seem that it's weighted very heavily towards the men. Hmm which, as you say, is contrary to the people coming through the door and the people training for ordination or the the numbers of those people. It's as though at the point of ordination or the readiness for ordination, there is, yeah, the younger men are getting in there under 40. I'm not so sure that with the younger demographic, it is people ageing out of that bracket. At least not yet. I'm not sure it's quite soon enough to say that's what's going on. It just seems that at least in the last 10 years or so, it's been mostly men who are being ordained under 40. I'd really like to investigate more. Well, as you were saying, Pranikesu, you've got four or five times more mm. men in the under 40 bracket in the order than mm. women. And yet, at the same time, you've got more women actually asking for ordination than men, more young yeah. women asking for ordination yeah. than men. So, yeah, I'd really like to do a bit of investigation here. I think one thing that might be quite interesting to look at is just the length of time that those younger men how long it takes to get ordained from the point they ask to when they actually get ordained that i think that'd be just quite useful perhaps as a starting point to investigate yeah 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 i think we could easily have access to those statistics yeah Yeah. i'd also be curious to know of the young women who've been ordained what has their pathway been like yeah anecdotally thinking about some of my close friends in the order who are young women I think often what it seems to be is somebody's kind of taken them on. Mm-hmm. I think of particularly a couple of my close mm-hmm. friends. There's even been an individual order member mm-hmm. who's particularly kind mm-hmm. of gone, all right, I want to really support you in your ordination mm-hmm. training process. Mm-hmm. And even be a bit challenging, a bit provocative, or a bit pokey in that, at least anecdotally, that mm-hmm. seems to be a factor mm-hmm. for those young women I know who've joined the order. Mm-hmm. And um, probably for the young men as well. Oh, yeah, so. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if that's true, maybe that would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Because that would be something that women who are in the order already could really start yeah. taking note of, couldn't yeah. they? And something I could encourage them to do. Yeah. 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 I mean, it might even be possible to survey those younger female order members yeah. about what their ordination process was like, and maybe even survey some of the women who are training for ordination and find out, you know, are there particular hindrances to them 
becoming ready in their, in their yeah. minds. Yeah. yeah. So there's a whole conversation here about responsibility, what it means to take responsibility, particularly as a young person. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's a bit of a project mm-hmm. to investigate, get in there and set up better conditions in future mm-hmm. that will just smooth the pathways for people. I'm wondering about you two, because in a way you represent the whole gamut of this. Mm-hmm. You've got Frankie to your so, you know, a relatively young man. <laughs> yeah. Charmer. Yes. And Spider Man, you're still a relatively young lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how's your was trying to say about me? Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder what it would look like for you to feel confident to pass on your own responsibilities, because you both hold responsibilities mm. in a particular way. What is it you're looking for in other people where you start mm. to think, ah yeah, there's a succession here for me, there's something I can hand on. What's that like? I mean, if I'm honest, part of the thing is, is just finding someone who'd want to take on the job. You know, I'm really happy in a way I could think of probably half a dozen or a dozen people I'd be delighted to hand on my work to. What yeah. would the qualities of those beings yeah. be? What is it? Is it joy? What is it you're looking for that you've seen in yourself that made you take responsibility that you would say, ah, she's got it, he's got it. Yeah. And they might need a bit of encouraging. Yeah. I think for me, the principal value is being able to see how young people can turn into these extremely impressive elders. It's almost like being able to step back from someone at a particular stage in their life and be able to envisage what their whole Dharma life might be like. Just sort of encouraging that. Because for my job, it's not simply a question of being able to engage with young people as young people, but to sort of almost like set up a path in which you have confidence that they can grow through that. I've just got enormous confidence in the order. I've got confidence that this order has a future and that the path that we offer is one which is a way to make the most of your life. And in a way, that's where my work's coming from. It's not that I view Tree Ratner as something that needs to be propped up by young people so much as I look at what enormous riches we have to offer as a community and I want to share them more widely. You know, that's where I'm coming from. That's that's what I really believe in. I think I'm not going to directly answer your question, but it sparked something off in me. So one of the things I feel that I'm constantly and consciously doing, particularly in my work at the London Buddhist Centre, and actually the whole team of us are constantly and consciously doing this, is looking to who the future people doing it are going to be. So whether that's leading one of our big retreats, Every year or so, I lead a retreat uh, here at Adishtana for 120 people. I'm always looking for and training who could be the next person. And what I want to say about this is it's such a joy. The year before last, Garvavati, who's someone I'm private preceptor to, she was ordained in her early 30s. She actually led that retreat after just one year of being ordained. She led a retreat, co-led a retreat for 120 people. And I often think there should be a new word in the English language for the joy one feels when somebody you've perhaps ordained, but perhaps even just helped in some other way, you actually see them they're up front, they're leading that retreat, or they're writing that book, or they're taking on that responsibility. It's, yeah, it's just such a pleasure and joy to me. You know, the sort of feeling is is something like oh yeah, like I've done something with my life now, because it's something about if you can feel that you've passed something on. I do actually think that's the greatest joy there is. I would really truly say that. Yeah. I think that answers the question very beautifully, <laughs> very, very directly after all. Yeah. 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 
So thanks very much for the conversation. Yeah. Lovely to hear the, the word priority when you hear it yeah. on a recording like this. It's yeah. like, you know, it can sound a bit dull, but actually yeah. hearing yeah. it animated with yeah. joy and with love and with actually a track record of real success mm. and that forward-facing vision that's finding real beings and seeing how they could make the most of their lives and then how they could pass that on. Mm. I don't think there's any better priority yeah. that we could have as a community. Yeah. So good luck with taking that forward. And yeah, we'll be excited to see more. Mm. If you want to read more about this or watch more content around this, you can go to the new Triana Preceptors College website, mm. preceptorscollege.online. And you will see a rather beautiful new space where you can find out more about paths of commitment in a modern Buddhist community. Thank you. Thank you.